Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Erin Weir, and this is a teen drama quiz cast. And we are still in the midst of Riverdale. We are halfway through. We are in the winter that will never begin, that will also never end. Yes, uh, time ha- is continuing to be fluid, and uh, I'm believing more and more in my idea that every scene happens at a different moment <laughs> in history. Uh, <laughs> that all of these episodes actually take place over a four-year time span, kind of like The Witcher. Ooh, four years? How how, uh, how quaint of you. <laughs> Is it actually decades? I'm I'm under the belief that Kevin might be Tom from... <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever see Kevin and Tom together? Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you used to. I Kevin mean, could grow up and look, and look exactly like Tom. Oh, true. Yeah. And let's point out... Tom is back. Yeah, Tom is back. Tom will make a reappearance in this episode. <laughs> Archie is immortal because he is a robot who doesn't who whose creator can no longer age him, so he will look this way forever. Forever. Yep. <laughs> but what will happen when his hair turns brown? Because that does happen. <laughs> when you can see his roots in this episode. It's like the one upgrade Archie has learned how to do on his own. Slowly. <laughs> Slowly. Uh well, I thought, Aaron. That since we are halfway through this season, uh-huh. I might take a gander back at where we came from. Because we did have that large skip in the middle. That's true. We took four weeks off, five weeks off, so four, many weeks off. Four weeks off, we did five episodes. So cool. I thought that maybe I would try to, try to look and see of all the storylines ongoing in <laughs> this show. This also came out of the fact that I was talking to a friend of mine who watches Riverdale. And they it just like it feels like with the, they says it feels like when I'm watching this that like I can't follow anything. I'm like, well, it's because there's a lot going on. Yeah, they they want everything happening at the same time. So here is a list, and this is so I don't have any character arcs. Nothing that I deemed as this is more of what a character is feeling, like Betty's journey to Am I Dark Betty? Well. No, I guess that's kind of a storyline arc, too. Yes. So I there's not many, like, pure characters, but that's why I didn't put in certain things. That Archie is sad because his dad is dead. Yeah, that's on a character. That's not an arc I put in there. Um, I also completely cut out episode one because it is really a standalone. Yeah, we've already decided it's not canon. Yeah. So what, we, what I did here is that I went through um, and I tried to grab all the... All of what's going. And we'll, we'll begin with the ongoing ones. So once again, this idea, episode two is essentially episode one. So the first ongoing plot line is what I have dubbed Jughead at Stonewall slash Quill and Skull slash Grandfather slash Missing Kids slash Former Writers Getting Killed slash He's Gonna Be Dead, which began in episode two. And now that seems like a lot, but actually because everything feels related, it's actually probably pretty tight. Even though there's a lot going on, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they feel connected. Well, everything flows from one to the next quite quite closely yeah that's and also can, our favorite storyline yeah and you can feel like they're probably is now i mean unless if we get the whole uh cult and g and g are not related at all which we thought for sure <sighs> yeah i do want a point, bad one i didn't want to point out in my deep dive um because this is ongoing storylines do you remember in episode seven the ice storm somebody videotaped betty and jugget having sex I do remember that, mostly because I just listened to that episode. <laughs> but what I specifically remember about that episode is there was no ice storm. There was no ice storm. Uh, sort of wrapped into this um, is the Brett is the worst, mm. which is kind of, which essentially, I, I don't want to put this on a separate storyline, because it's kind of just Betty joining into Jughead's storyline. Yeah, it just kind of brings others in. Yeah, it's sort of Betty versus him. Ongoing storyline, the VHS tape. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which came in the end of episode three, the beginning of episode four, and then again the beginning of episode eight, and has not been mentioned since, despite the fact you think someone would be thinking about that all the time. And that someone should be Charles. <laughs> the fact that nobody, like, the fact that that is not the thing that we keep hearing about is insane because it's, number one, probably the most engaging thing on the show right now. Number two, this town has had too many serial killers and they can't track another one. Uh, fun note, on episode eight, as it's where the, um, the letter, or the VHS is in, the, in like a newspaper. Mm -hmm. The newspaper headline says, Carcosa Car Carnival comes to Riverdale. And I was like, ooh, maybe that's a hint for something. Maybe that's like something that's coming up. Like, that's going to be a, maybe this is a smart idea that they're doing. There's going to be a carnival coming to Riverdale. It did not. Oh, I looked it up, Aaron. Oh. It is a reference. To the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Part Three, which was released like end of January, so just like last just week, came out. Their main villain, their main antagonist for this season, is the Carcosa Carnival. Please don't make <laughs> Riverdale and Sabrina as part of the same world. You can't do that. Also, this episode came out in December, so I mean, all right. Here's the thing: I appreciate it, and you know what? Really, when it comes down to it, it. It's just like, it's just a fun thing. It does not prove they're in the same universe, but it does make me want to be like, don't confirm it. They already have, because Ben is on both shows. <sighs> right. Well, then we have the Is Charles Evil uh, storyline. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which began episode four. Um, and the last time we had saw Charles before, spoiler, this episode was, or this, actually, actually I guess like this plot line, because it doesn't really come up in this episode. Yeah. Is episode six. It's been a long time since we've seen anything from the Is Charles Evil. That's when he went to go visit. Check. Yep. Uh, then we have the Dark Betty slash Celia Killer Jeans slash Tangerine. <laughs> oh, Tangerine. Um, the Q word. So I, I said that it probably started at about episode five. And then we saw it in episode nine was kind of like, that was when she went back in time <laughs> and wiped. Because <laughs> the, there's the whole kill the cat subplot, which popped up in two episodes. Oh, that's right. That was the episode, though, where Charles discovered that he knew how to make people time travel. Yeah. So. And then we go from there to uh, Veronica versus Hiram, which mm. encompasses the whole rum and the school and Hermosa, uh, which includes Veronica being like, I'm not going to give up my space in this family, but it totally doesn't, supposed to not care about her family anymore. Because her last name's Luna now. Yep. Uh, the rum thing specifically began at nine, though, and that's ongoing. Yes. Now, now, some of the newer ones. We have Cheryl and, Cheryl and Veronica rum kind of coincides with the Veronica versus the dad thing. Just now Cheryl's involved. This mm -hmm, is her storyline mm -hmm. now. Uh, Cheryl versus uh, Mrs. Appleyard also mm -hmm. just started. Mm -hmm. Frank Andrews just started. Mm -hmm. And this one is sort of just like, I think is ongoing because it comes up every so often, but it's not really. Colleges. Yeah, colleges do come up. Yeah, they come or up. lack of colleges. Yeah. Archie. Yeah. So I I, I kind of highlight this now. Now, here, here are some storylines that began and ended. All right. Give them to me. <laughs> we have The Cult, which lasted for episode two and episode three. To be fair, though, What's-Her-Face did call Betty in the Tangerine episode. Yeah, I didn't know if I could call that part of the cult or if that's now just Dark Betty. Because the cult using comes a lot more people. Now it's just her. Now it's just Betty. That's a good point. Um, the Hiram Trial, episode two to episode five. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, Cheryl's dead brother lasted from episode two to episode nine. <laughs> and there's like... Two episodes of The Body, and then the doll gets a whole bunch, and then the extended family comes in, and then there's one and a half episodes of the gaslighting. Which I think 
the gaslighting was going on the entire time. <laughs> well, maybe she admits that she was she first she was the one hiding Julian when when she got rid of uh, Jason the first time. She yes. was she initially she was torturing Tony. Oh, that's right. And but then but then her mom just sort of took up the mantle. He's like, oh, she found that creepy doll. Was her mom maybe there watching, being like, oh, oh yes, yeah, she was. Something I can use. Remember, she was living in the walls the entire the entire time. time. She never left town. No. What was she eating? Uh, rats. So the community then then we have the community center and Dodger, which is episode three to episode nine. Oh, yeah, Dodger. Uh, and then we have I started with this one, which is that Hiram wants to be the mayor was <laughs> began at the end of episode three, was not mentioned in episode six, and then was wrapped up at the beginning of episode seven. When he ran unopposed for yeah. mayor. Also worth mentioning, Hermione has not been seen since episode seven, where she was seduced, oh. quote-unquote, oh. by Hiram, and has not been seen since, so... Is she murdered? <laughs> uh, here are some ones that that like might be ongoing storylines, uh, but uh, but kind of also run very close to being character arcs. The FB's "Can you be a sheriff and a serpent?" <laughs> for episode seven. Um, the fact that Mister Honey is definitely a sociopath, and in episode two, Cheryl said he's going to be fired by homecoming. So now it's winter. <laughs> it's winter. I thought homecoming was <laughs> in the fall. So this should mean next homecoming. <laughs> Cheryl's not good at threats. And here's a few single episode uh, storylines. Oh, Reggie is abused. Episode two. Mm. <laughs> Moose wants a new life. Episode three and four, kind of. Because four was the fallout after he left, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, well, no, he leaves at the end of episode four, but Jughead spends the entire time in a coffin, so. <laughs> That's right. Veronica fights a serial killer. <laughs> episode four. <laughs> Mason uh, is getting a scholarship. Episode 10. So those are things that, and I would, do want to clarify, maybe these things will be picked up on again, but that's. That is a lot. That is a lot of stuff that they wanted to do that is still ongoing and has finished. Yeah, because we're only 11, halfway through the season. 11 episodes and all that happened. That took us, that took us like eight minutes to get through. <laughs> <sighs> but let's get into this storyline. Because this is Riverdale, season four, episode 11, Quiz Show. Right off the top, begin. Jughead gives says something that cannot be true. <laughs> Jughead begins by lying to us. Jughead says, winter has come to Riverdale. You had an entire episode called The Ice Storm, you idiots. Also, there is in fact no snow anywhere in this episode, <laughs> and we are outside more than usual. And it does, it's not even a thematic thing. He just says, winter has come to Riverdale. Also, quiz show fever. <laughs> Takes everyone by surprise. The only person who doesn't like Quiz Show is Archie. Because Archie always has his own storyline. <laughs> Archie is just happy that his uncle's there, wearing plaid and being like his dad. You know also probably doesn't care about Quiz Show? Kevin. Kevin does not care about the Quiz or Show. Or Veronica. Oh, I guess Ver no, Veronica's no. on the team. Yeah, but I still think she doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so this leads into Jughead and Betty sort of just like, you know, 
having sex on the bed. And talking about Brett, as you do. Avoiding talking about Brett, to be specific. Can we just point out that we just had an entire episode about him, and they said his name so many times, (laughs) and I still can't remember if it's Brett or Brett. I'm pretty sure it's Brett, but I mean, really, who cares? (laughs) Um, We learned that also Jughead has to turn in his Baxter Brothers draft. He is working as the ghostwriter right now. He is still going to school. <laughs> but you know what? No rest for the wicked. They don't care. <laughs> They're well, like, do both. Well, because Kevin Chipping jumped out that window. No one's writing Baxter Brothers right now. I guess that's true. <laughs> so he has to turn his Baxter Brothers draft. Um, <laughs> but everything's coming up Jughead because it's done. He might be going into Yale. He's genuinely not sure because you never really know the truth with DuPont. And oh. no one has given him a letter that says, hey boy, you're in Yale. No, he just came in when there was Brett and DuPont and his dad. And was like, you're going into Yale. And he's like, where's the proof? And they're like, well, I don't know. So Betty seems like a little distraught by this. And he's yeah. Like, oh, I don't really know how to tell you. But what he needs to say is, I don't actually know if I'm going there, Betty. <laughs> Look, Betty, you have to understand, it's very confusing. <laughs> the, the This show has so many things where people know stuff without being told that, honestly, the fact that they these two do not know everything about each other's storyline still seems odd to me because yeah. usually usually all this stuff is just filled in off screen oh i can guarantee you archie knows everything that's going on in jughead's life and when is the last time we saw archie and jughead talk i'll Ar- tell you when during that non-canon episode it's true uh <laughs> i mean he did go to uh the time when uh archie or when archie put the photo of oh that's Dad true <laughs> to where cheryl went to that and mm. mm. Uh, so Betty heads out uh, after, you know, their sex time. And she runs into Brett in the hallway. And Brett continues to be the grossest of the gross by being like, oh, I thought I was going to be late for class because you guys had so much sex. <laughs> also, I got into Yale. So I guess I'll see you next year when you follow <laughs> Jughead to Yale. It does seem like I guess he'll be in New Haven, but not going to Yale. And I like how the OC had a season long arc about the fact of like, Will they go to yeah, will they go to school together? It like is this going to be a thing? Why would like you can't just move with someone if you're not going there for some reason as well? How will they go to Providence? What will they do? How will they fill their time? Well, Brett's just like as a woman, you will of course follow him to his schooling. <laughs> uh, we're introduced to a character who will not come up again, but for some reason this scene needs to exist. I guess it is because Doctor Beaker is a character from the comic books. I know, but that doesn't make since when does this show care? They like to make clever references. Grind them. So it's Doctor Beaker. He is the chemistry teacher, and these two young girls approach him and say, "What do you think about rum?" And he gets immediately uncomfortable, and they treat it like it's his fault. <laughs> They're like, duh, we don't want to drink rum with you. We just want you to analyze the chemical compounds of our rum to make sure legally our rum recipe is different enough from another rum recipe. Now, let's be clear. You don't need a chemist. You need a lawyer. Also, patent- all rum is pretty much the same. Yeah, the thing is that patent rum is... Like, like, sorry, like, patent law is not really a science thing. It's really a lawyer thing. Yeah, they should definitely, and definitely if they're using maple as the sweetening agent. <laughs> Instead of molasses. Then it's definitely then it's a different, different thing. All right, we'll continue on. Um, 
Jughead learns that from DuPont in this meeting that he apparently needs to throw out this entire book. They hate all of it. They don't want any of it. They made this young man write an entire book without approving of the general plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and his plot, by the way, is of a dead of a body found in a river. He did just write the Jason. <laughs> storyline but they don't this group called the brotherhood <laughs> does not want the jason storyline they want the riverdale season two storyline yeah like you know what's cool now serial killers write something about serial killers and jack hits like oh i only know one serial killer i can't wait till he puts in his next draft and like no we like dungeons and dragons <laughs> write something about dungeons and dragons but don't call it dungeons and dragons and jack hits like why don't you just give me an outline and I'll just write the book just, like every other ghostwriter in history? Yeah, I thought we were writing the perfect crime here. I thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> also, the Jason thing is far from the perfect crime. Oh, so, so far. Ugh, yeah. Uh, so he goes to get help from the only person who, who knows anything about serial killers, I guess, which is Charles. He goes to Charles and Charles is going to get his 10 best serial killers for Jughead to write about, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Charles doesn't care about anything. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, I'm just glad to be back in the series. <laughs> I haven't been seen for like five episodes. I was really worried that when I helped Betty travel through time, that was the end of my journey. <laughs> Maybe I somehow unwrote myself, even though I'm older than her. <laughs> I don't know. And then Jughead says something that I'm sure will become very dangerous. I owe you one. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure the show's going to pick that thread back up. Yeah. Uh, so we head to, I guess, this storyline where the f where we meet the Andrews construction crew. So it turns out that former sheriff Tom <laughs> Keller has been running Andrews construction he's been, out of the goodness of his heart. He's been the foreman, but also it's very implied that he's also just been the owner. He's been balancing the books. He's been making sure the things... <laughs> That <laughs> needs to happen, happen. And Archie seems Because Archie's like, a teenager. And Archie seems to have no awareness that, like, <laughs> work goes into running a business. Because he just, without talking to Tom at all in any way, just sets up his Uncle Frank as the new... Foreman. Which, I mean, Tom Keller could still be the owner of the company. He doesn't have to be the foreman. But Archie yeah. doesn't know how a company is. No, he doesn't. It becomes very clear in this scene that Archie, that all, the fact that any of these people work for Andrews at all still is only out of, like, I guess, honor or, like, like in, in honor of, of Fred because cause Archie, the fact that Archie runs a, a community center is <laughs> wild. Yeah, he's not running, like, this construction company makes absolutely... How are people getting paychecks while Tom Keller? Yeah, well, clear, clearly Tom Keller has just been running this company. And, and Archie had no idea. And Archie had no idea. He's like, well, I assume Molly Ringwald Andrews has been running the community center. And Archie's like, yeah, things just kind of happen. I don't know. They just show up for work every day and somehow they know where to go. Because he's just doing vigilante stuff in the night. Archie is so... In th this makes Archie seem like the worst person. Like, he's supposed to be pure heart and good. This just makes him seem like an idiot. An idiot who takes advantage of his ex-friend's dad. Yes, yes. It <laughs> Archie, unbeknownst, takes advantage of so many people. So, uh, Tom Keller's pretty bummed that he just lost a job. <laughs> yeah. With no notice in front of a group of people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for, <laughs> for Frank. Yeah. 
who he hates. Who he hates. Because he remembers he arrested Frank so many times. Yeah, I'm sure he's in a bad relationship with Frank. All right, let's head off to see the quiz show because there's not going to be any lead up to this. I don't know how long um, Betty has had to prepare for this quiz thing, but apparently all she needed was a couple days. Because uh, now they are on TV and it's the 1970s and her quiz team consists of exactly who we thought it would <laughs> herself, Veronica, Cheryl, and Tony. And apparently they will hold their own for at least, an at least answering one episode each in this one. Uh, Cheryl does not get to answer any questions, but she did, in fact, know the answer to one of them. Right, she tried to answer one, but Betty was faster. It doesn't really seem like these people are competing with each other. It really <laughs> it's, does. It's just weird. Like, you, you think, you think that the quiz show would go is, like... I don't know, the team would buzz it and one of them would answer it. Yeah, or they'd like divide categories amongst themselves, who knows? I know, instead it said really is just like a game show. He's, he reads something out, and by the way, when we say quiz, what we mean is trivia. Yeah, generic trivia knowledge. <laughs> generic, <laughs> these answers are like, I mean, I think, I think probably one of the most difficult ones they got was like, uh, which European country has the longest... Uh, uh, unbroken coastline. Like, coastline. But here's the thing. Once again, that's really more of trivia. Like, I thought quiz shows were, like, answering complex math questions. And... Oh, it, I mean, it, yeah, this this should be stuff that is, like, like, like yeah, answering complex math questions or... Or, like, like actual historical... Acad academic things. Like, you know, a, what, what year did... Even what year did this happen? This, like, battle happen in when last four? How many... Like, don't get me wrong. There's not a huge difference between, like, trivia and answers on a test. But mostly, like, this stuff is... Stuff that you could know by, like, browsing Reddit for long enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this doesn't really feel academic. Anyway, after this, which goes well, Betty talks to Charles about Brent. And she hates Brent. She wants Brett. She wants to make him sweat. And Charles is like, ah... So we'll kill him and put him in a shallow grave. Charles Charles does his best at a joke, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is reminiscing about that time that they killed someone and he helped them cover it up. After, a year later. A year later. Uh, <laughs> but all she wants is for him to use his FBI connections to get some secrets about Brett. Which made me really think about the, oh, right, they don't talk to each other because one of the things about the cool and skull is you're supposed to tell their secrets to each other. So she, well, I mean, we know his secret and it's a sad secret. Which, yeah, I like to point out, we find a much better secret out in this one. <laughs> it's very clear that the cool and skull, you tell us one sad secret about yourself, one that gives your character pathos, but nothing actually a secret we're not gonna actually blackmail anyone we just want to feel bad for you <laughs> so charles just follows that by being like you may be being a crazy person about brett because you didn't get into yale and betty's like why why didn't i get into yale i have all these things i have a 4.1 gpa and charles is like well I'm going to take more advantage of my FBI connections, and I will find out for you. I was reminded once again that Cheryl has a 4.0 GPA, which I still do not believe because she missed 26 days of school. Wasn't her 4.0 during the first season when she had a crush on Archie? No, it was it was mentioned this season. Oh. So Jughead uh, takes the time pitching to the Brotherhood, and I don't know why it was weird to me that there's also, like, this is a very diverse Brotherhood, to be fair. I kind of thought it would just be a whole bunch of DuPonts. They're just an older version of the Power Rangers. They are. They are just an older version of the Power Rangers. <laughs> These are just the original Power Rangers. 
pictures. <laughs> now, uh, Jughead, I did like your idea, but maybe perhaps you could add a Zord into it? <laughs> Jughead's like, I'm sorry, I was born in 1996? What's a Zord? When do the, ma- when, when, when do the Baxter Brothers megamorph? Ninja Storm was one series of these. <laughs> anyway. Where's Amy Jo Johnson? She was on Felicity. What about that one guy who got very Christian? Where's him? Where's him? So you want Christian mythos in the book? Uh, so <laughs> he pitches some serial killers and they're like, these serial killers are boring for these hardy boys. And then DuPont is like, what about a serial killer from your real life? <laughs> Jughead does best when he writes from his real life. So, Jughead, why don't you just... Because, once again, Jughead is a true crime writer. Yeah. He's a true crime writer. So, what he comes up with is the Black Hood from his point of view. Because, of course, it's the only point of view he has. Yeah. But yeah. in this story, he's going to call it the Brown Hood. Yeah. It's like nobody's going to read that and be like, this feels a lot like that case. <laughs> and what I'm going to say that I was the most bothered by is he says that the Brown Hood is the father of one of the Baxter boys' girlfriends, Tracy True. And I'm like, really? You're not going to run that by the ghostwriter for the Tracy True books? Mm, no. that's really breaking the mythology. <laughs> no one is concerned about that, and that's when I knew these books don't exist. <laughs> Wait, these books are fake. <laughs> <laughs> He's never going to actually write a Baxter Brothers book. I mean, the fact they're having him do while he's still in school. Insane. All right, so... uh Archie and Archie goes back to the. <laughs> I don't know why he's coming and going. I don't know what Archie's doing when he's off screen in this episode, but he reappears on screen at Andrew Constructions, and he's like, "Hey, Tom Keller, why there are no workers?" Well, apparently, Tom he, Tom Keller does it at the beginning, like, "Well, they're done." And then Frank decided that, you know, he'd bring them all back to for like beers and reminiscing on stories. Meanwhile, I have to balance the books because Archie. Someone has to run this company. Archie, did you know that no one has signed any new contracts over the past six months because no one runs this company? <laughs> and so that means there is no money to give anyone a Christmas bonus? <laughs> they they did not get the... Christmas has already passed. They yep. did not get the Christmas bonus. Yep. They got it every year, though. But not this year because this year. the company doesn't exist. <sighs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, oh, God. Veronica and Cheryl, because uh, <laughs> this is what they're doing, uh, go to Hiram and bring him some of their new maple wine. Or maple wine. Maple <laughs> rum. And he's like, I already make rum. They're like, we had a chemist look at this and it's 51% different. And also we patented it. So if you come at us, if you try to use our new rum, we'll sue you. <laughs> and Hiram's like. Oh, this is hard for me. <laughs> and he goes, wait, sorry, who are you? We've never interacted before. Cheryl, nice to meet you. Why are you yelling at me, redheaded girl? I, this is the first time I've seen you. <laughs> I, I know your father. <laughs> he was a criminal like me. He was a worse criminal, though. Wasn't he also a part of the League of Stupid Evil with N- her mom? Yes, but he's never met Cheryl. <laughs> Great. I don't think he's ever had a scene with Cheryl. I don't know if he's ever had a scene with anyone other than Archie and Veronica. He's never met Betty, for sure. True. He did see the musical, though. <laughs> so he's seen them. Did I see you on stage? Anyway, apparently they own the patent on maple rum, which they do not. Nope. Definitely not real. <laughs> definitely not how patents work. They definitely don't. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Charles gives Betty some details on Brett. 
and they are good details. Oh, she goes stalking off. She bursts right into uh, <laughs> Jughead and Brett's room where they're studying back to back. At desks we've never seen before. Yeah. <laughs> well, she begins just by, not even the evidence, just shouting at Brett about the facts of his life. Just being like, you're a terrible person and I hate you. <laughs> Which is true. True. He is. But everything Jughead be like, whoa, Betty, what's going on? Which you could... Misconstruism defending Brett, but I think he's most just like, is there an end to this, or did you just come in here to shout at him? Because I'm fine either way. I'm just gonna point out in this episode, Betty and Jughead storm back and forth from <laughs> Riverdale to Stonewall oh, so my, many times. Oh my god, these things have to be like, <laughs> like these are these are si- these are door to door. Like, I know there's a train that you have to take, but I think it's like taking the C train up one stop. Yeah, there's no, there is. There is no, <laughs> there is no drama here when the fact that they can just go to each other's places, not even knowing they're there, just consistently, just arriving. Yeah, she doesn't know where Brent's going to be, but she shows up there to scream at him. Yeah, they, they hate the fact that this might be a different city. <laughs> so, anyway, we learn about Brett. Brett's dad yeah. paid someone to take the PSATs for him, which I don't know what they are i guess because i thought they were just pre-sats mm-hmm. but then it was found out that someone took these psats and then his dad paid his way into stonewall and betty suspects paid his way into yale how did charles find this information well, i assume there had to have been criminal proceedings about the psats thing yeah i guess so like <laughs> it seems wild that charles can just figure this information out that seems real damning yeah, he is not great. Anyway, uh, Brett being like, yeah, wh- yeah wh- well, 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 your boyfriend's writing a book <laughs> about your dad. Ha ha! <laughs> Who sucks in this room now? Yeah, how's that for deflecting? This will not be brought up again. <laughs> and Jughead's like, why am I a part of this? <laughs> yeah, and Betty, oh, Betty, who in this episode has taken hold of the stupid ball and is just gonna, like, grip it to her chest, is fooled by this and goes, Jughead completely forgetting about Brett. And they're going to fight. Yeah. But before we get that fight, <clears throat> Veronica has a plan. Well, they're going to turn Le Bon Nui because they can't sell alcohol. Remember, they can't sell alcohol. Because they can't get a liquor license yeah. because Hiram. But what they can do is uh Turn Le Bon Nuit from a speakeasy, which does illegally sell alcohol. That's the purpose of a speakeasy. Mm. Um, which they, oh God, um, into a dance club. A <laughs> fun underages dance club full of mocktails. However, they will secretly give away <laughs> shots of rum, which will then encourage people to buy the rum. I don't, I don't know how this business, but this is a very Veronica plan, though. What if we just danced? Um <laughs> When she was selling rum before, she was just, like, inviting restaurateurs to come. Yeah, why did she just do that again? <laughs> I, it does not feel like they understand what selling rum is, and they just want to have a small business. It's true. Like, this is insane and incomprehensible. So, uh, they're gonna make their secret speakeasy into an actual secret speakeasy. Yeah, when they, I feel like they could just... 
I like how they've just given up on, like, the show's given up on the fact that it's a secret speakeasy. They keep saying, and it's been back and forth whether or not it's public knowledge. It's clearly public knowledge. But now they're going to go back and make it secret again. Yeah, well, they're going to do a secret speakeasy within a all-ages dance club. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Also, Kevin looks at Grindum. Yep. And Fangs is there, and he's like, hey, I'm sorry I was brainwashed by a cult. And Kevin's like, yeah, I was brainwashed by a cult, too. <laughs> You're not the only one who was brainwashed by a cult. I got my kidney stolen, dude. And Fangus is like, so maybe we can date again? And Kevin's like, no, I'm going to use this app for hookups. Look, here's this guy here, an indeterminate age older than me. And this man shows up and is like, hey, I have a hotel room. Let's go. And I'm like, I thought you wanted to find love, Kevin. No, no, he wants hookups. Not any longer. I think also he just did that because Fangs was there and he's like, yeah, all right, sure. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you don't if you don't set out the things you want on those dating apps, you will be the people who are just like you got to be clear with your expectations. Yeah. To be fair, he was swiping through just shots of abs. That's true. And if you're swiping <laughs> on shots of abs, you know what you're getting yourself into. So uh, Betty and Jughead have their fight over all the things that Jughead has not told her quickly enough. Quickly enough. Um, <laughs> he also he's, he's like, I wasn't actually going to write it. Like, <laughs> I just pitched it, and now I'm going to figure out what to do. <laughs> Yeah, something – because also, I can't write that. That's a real thing that happened to actual people. That would be insane to write about a year after it happened. Yeah, Betty, do I want to get blacklisted as, like, a distasteful writer? No. (laughs) Like, that's the sort of thing you you can write about, like, 20 years after it happened. Maybe you can go down to about 10, but, like – you, yeah, you gotta, unless it's going to be a true crime book. Nope. Yeah, if you start passing it off as, like, fiction and stuff. Whoo. And then she's like, and you didn't tell me about Yale. And he's like, well, technically. I mean, he doesn't say this, but I said this. Yeah. Technically, he didn't get into Yale yet, Betty. Yeah, there's 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 a lot here. Um, and mostly it's about how, like, once again, Jughead has just not told her this stuff quick enough, really. She and, she doesn't admit that he also has not been lying to her. He's just been lying by omission, I but guess. But, like, really, he's just not telling her stuff quickly enough. Also, I thought they were very far apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently they can meet every single day, so maybe he should have been more. Yeah, you know. Also, yeah. how, well, we'll talk about this. Also, I look, she's angry. You didn't tell him the cool skull, and he's, like, literally a secret society. <laughs> Betty. Betty has not told him about Tangerine yet. Oh, oh, she has not told him that there that there are sleeper agents out there to kill her. Has she also <laughs> told him that she time-traveled to save her baby version of herself from killing a cat? That's hard to explain. <laughs> True. Uh, so, so Archie and Frank arrive at the, uh, at the site, I guess, and Tom is so excited. Because he has found a way to save the business. <laughs> he got him a job repairing the drainage for the prison. A government contract that will be stable work and will give them enough money to give people bonuses. But Archie's like, no, we can't work for Hiram. My dad would never want that, which is patently untrue. (laughs) Untrue. (laughs) Because his dad has done so many constructions for Hiram. Yeah, his dad was pitching for constructions for Hiram in, like, the first, the second season. Because his dad understands that sometimes you gotta do things to keep your business going. Because it's not about you, it's about the people who you're working for. And don't get me wrong, Hiram is a massive piece of everything. Uh, But just repairing the drainage in his prison is not, like, the worst thing. However, Frank, because Frank is a child and not a grown-up, <laughs> supports Archie. Yeah. And Tom's like, okay, dummies, 
I think I have to quit. No, I'm just like, well, hold on. We, we can't tell people. People can't learn. The idea of someone being like, I have to do this because my father wouldn't do it. However, we should not tell anyone because I do know this is actually a bad thing. Like, that's always a sign of, like, you know this isn't a good thing if your reaction is like, no, no, we shouldn't do this. Morally, this is the right thing to do. However, no one can know. So this is why an 18-year-old should, should not be in charge of not, a business. Should not run a business? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Betty, uh, sitting at her at her house, gets a meeting, or I guess a visit, a visit from her brother. And her brother tells her that he very easily found out why she didn't get into Yale, which is not how colleges work. <laughs> well, I mean, he barely just could find anything out. I think he's just making it up at this point. He found out that she didn't get into Yale because Yale doesn't want the Black Hood's daughter to go to their school because people might be angry. Now, here's the problem I have about that. It makes it very unclear how big of a thing the Black Hood was, because Jughead was able to pitch the legitimate Black Hood story to a group of writers, and none of them recognized it. Writers who are connected it, to Stonewall, <laughs> which for all we know is next door to Betty's house. Had no idea what it was, versus Yale... In New Haven. Was like, no, we can't let the daughter of the Black Hood... Who was not even that good of a serial killer. I mean, he, was a, he was a very bad serial killer. Until it, he, until prom, yeah. he had killed, what, one person? Midge? It would, it would be more like someone, is it like, like, it'd be, like, like, Cheryl should also not be able to get into any school well, then. And can you imagine if that got out? Like, if it got out that Yale declined a person who had a perfect resume because their dad was a serial killer? <laughs> That's not good for Yale's reputation. No, that's how you create a uh, an unforgiving circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Betty is angry, so she runs off. And before we know what happens, Jughead confronts Brett, being like, why are you throwing me under every bus? <laughs> and he's like, nah, Jughead, my new best friend. It wasn't about you. It was about getting under Betty's skin. <laughs> it wasn't about you. It was about hurting your girlfriend, the person you love. <laughs> Jughead's like, What? <laughs> Brett is the kind of guy who would say the phrase bros before a hose with absolute sincerity. Like it's some sort of written in stone law. Like, dude, bros before hose. And if you pick a hose first. <laughs> oh, bro. <laughs> I legitimately have to murder you. <laughs> he explains that what you, you're in the cool and skull now. And what the cool and skull about is winning at any cost. And I'm like, I doubt that. Because <laughs> Chipping sure didn't seem that into winning at any cost. I doubt that. Th I think that's when he takes the coolest skull. I would love. I, th I, I think the best ending for Brett is to be somehow, like... I guess kicked out of the quill and skull from them being like, what the hell? We do not expose your values. What? <laughs> I like the idea that everything Brett does, he just assumes is like <laughs> objectivism. Oh my God. Brett loves Ayn Rand. <laughs> the fact he was not in, oh, in that literature class being like, oh, I think the greatest writer was actually Ayn Rand. She has we such, should talk about Atlas Shrugged. She has such great ideas about how if you are, how the, the, the how moral selfishness is Truly the way that you should... Oh my god, yeah, he loves Ayn Rand. <laughs> Ayn Rand sucks, by the way. Speaking of sucking, the Black Hood sure sucks, so <laughs> Betty talks to her dad's grave. Which which is, man, it's like set out, it's got his own place, it's got like a... It's huge. It, it's, because it's got his big marker. We talked about this when it first buried, like he definitely should have had an unmarked grave. But he, he's got like a wooden 
border. I have a theory. Yeah. You know how suicides can't be buried in like a Catholic graveyard because sometimes religions suck? Yeah. I wonder if the Black Hood cannot be buried in consecrated ground. So they made like a mini graveyard next to the graveyard <laughs> for his body. They... And by they, I mean Alice. Oh, that's why there's a... <laughs> That's why there's a uh, like no no this isn't your graveyard this is a new graveyard I brought I brought this dirt in from elsewhere totally new graveyard not consecrated not consecrated ground anyway Betty she, is mad because her dad not only destroyed her past and her present but also her future yeah so she takes a sledgehammer and knocks off a corner of the it's a sturdy it's a sturdy marker and her mom comes in because Charles told her mom. That Betty stormed off into the night. Man, this is Alice's first appearance in this episode, and her first appearance for a while. And Alice is like, Betty, don't worry. Your future can be good. Thanks, Alice. promise. Remember when I gave away your college fund? Don't worry about it. Clearly none of this is my fault. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Kevin. What'd you learn this week? Well, I looked up patent law. <laughs> Four recipes. Amazing. Okay. Now, here's what you need to know. Can you patent a recipe? No. Yes. Actually, you can. Okay. You can patent a re- recipe. You can even patent a beverage formula. Mm. The most important thing to know about um, patenting something uh, is that it has to call- qualify certain criteria. Um, mostly it needs to be, uh, it needs to be novel, it needs to be new, okay. non-obvious, and useful. Okay. The hardest thing for recipes usually to patent is the non-obvious or mm, new. That makes sense. So, when you're creating, like, I think I couldn't find anything specifically on, like, rum, because no one patents those rum? things. Um, but... You can, like, patent processes. So people have patented, like, the process, like, oh, we make our rum in this specific barrel for this specific time and add these things to it. And because of that formula, they're able to patent that formula. So what you're saying to me is when Veronica took her grandma's recipe and added a bunch of spices to it, she was changing the process of making the rum. Therefore, it is a different rum than Hiram's patent covers. Oh, 100%. Um, mm. Now, there are certain things. Like, you can't just take one thing and add one thing to it that will actually won't change it enough right. to be its own thing. So, actually, if Veronica literally just took his th- took rum and put maple instead of molasses and tried to patent that, he will be like, no. That's all, not- all the other spices and things she puts in it, then she could possibly patent it. Now, the thing is that I believe that Hiram actually did patent his oh, I believe recipe that too. because he has a lot of money and he got patent lawyers to essentially be like, no, no, this is a very specific thing. It's non-obvious. Like, these specific ways of building stuff is its own thing. At one point in this episode, though, they're like, oh, it's 51% different. There's no percentages. It's just if it's different. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you can convince the patent office that it is a different thing... Then you're done. So, like, her first thing, even though the core was still rum, if she, as long as she added, we don't know what the added, she added, unfortunately, but as long as she added enough stuff and changed enough things, it could be different. Well, she added enough that someone could, like, very st- 
very specifically pick out some of the taste she had added. So that seems to me... Yeah, that is a different thing. Yeah. Um, I still think, once again, his cease and desist was just a thing he did. He's still really staying behind it, but sure. And I guess, to be fair, she's 18 and doesn't know how to go to the patent office and argue her case. It does sound like they patented this one, though. It does um, sound like that. She probably could have patented the first one as well. Uh, here's a, here's an interesting thing to note. Uh, Hiram said he patented his drink. Did you know there's a difference between patenting and trade secrets? Oh. For example, Coca-Cola's recipe is a trade secret. That means that it's actually not patented. It just means that they don't have to tell anyone it, and they do a big job of doing that. Because do you know what patenting means? You have to disclose all the ingredients and how you made it. Oh, so then someone <laughs> just recreated well, it. The fact that Veronica had to go to her, like, you know, her grandmother and say, like, I'll tell you the family recipe. She could have just Googled it. She could have just gone to the patent office. Yeah. It's because it, he, he says patent. I looked it up. He says patent. He does not say trade secret. It is patented, which means that is an open recipe for everyone to see. And someone could take it and adjust things and improve on it. And improve on it. And if they want to repatent that, then. They'd be fine. In fact, probably what you'd want to do is you'd want to patent it before you start trying to sell it. Because mm, then they, because mm-hmm. then you get into litigation of them trying to prove that your thing is not different enough. But if you go through the patent process first, you essentially pre-prove that it is different enough that a patent office is like, yes, this is a different thing. Recipes don't tend to get patented because they're really, really hard. Yeah, that makes sense. But, yeah, so... <laughs> This is all nonsense is what it comes down to. <laughs> and if it wasn't a grown man against a teenager. Well, and not only that, I did all this research today. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't a lot. And I understand you make you make creative decisions to like be like, oh, we, we want this to happen. But something so obviously wrong as a critical part being constantly brought comes up. Comes up in more than one episode. Like you do a one-off thing that's wrong. People will go, they did it for the drama. It's fine. Yeah, but it it re-came up in... And it was a clear thing this episode. They had to go to a chemist to figure out, oh, it's legally distinct enough. No, it's still rum. At its yeah. core, it's still rum. Rum is rum. Rum is rum. Oh, also, all of her rum would suck because it's not being aged. Mm. It, mm-hmm. she, it, it takes about four to ten... I also looked this up. This is a small thing. It takes about four to ten days to make just a rum. Then they age it for like ten years. Uh, actually, recently someone patented a process that you can add things to rum that could essentially artificially age it or make it taste older. You can flash age it, kind um, of like you can do with um, wine, but then it's a lesser quality. Yeah, so I doubt that her wine, her uh, rum is anywhere close to being as good as Hiram's well, rum. Well, Hiram's rum I don't think ages either because he started making it when he was a child and was just like pumping it out in his clubs. Oh, it's hard to tell. I don't know anything, how long these rums sit around for. So maybe that's why the maple makes it good because it's just sugar. Because <laughs> it's not, it's it's not aged at all. It's just pop with alcohol in it. Oh, uh. Mm. So Archie uh, arrives back at his house, and there's another, essentially, like, meeting of... Other boy peers, yeah. boys are gathering, and this one guy comes up to him, Carlos. Yeah. And Carlos is like, so my friend works for the construction team that got the government contract that you turned down. <laughs> so I heard about it, because obviously this is a small town and things get around, so of course they hear that you turned down... 
So uh, we're a poor company that has no work and you turn down work, huh? That better sucks. <laughs> Which then, is a good point. It's a very good Cosmo raises a lot of good points. Then, then he, he raises a very insane point. <laughs> Which makes me think these kids do these um, workers do not know who anybody is, because he's like, Maybe you should think about getting out there more. More boots on the ground with the workers. He's eighteen. <laughs> he's in high school. <laughs> what do you why, why isn't your first why do you first think maybe you should Sell this company to someone who knows how to run a construction company. Like Vic, the or guy who wanted to buy it. Hire a manager. A manager who you trust to make decisions. That's that's literally what... Um, what Tom what, Keller was. That's, well, that's also what Fred did in the first... That's what he hired Hermione. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but instead, it's like, no, Archie, you need to learn how to run a... <laughs> you need to learn how to run a business. 18-year-old boy. You seem like you're a pie-in-the-sky fancy man. Come down to Earth with us. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you, you elitist in your tower. <laughs> <laughs> you elite 18-year-old. You Gen Z. Oh. Uh... We we check in with Kevin. He's busy making out with an indeterminately older man named Terry. Yes. Now, Terry uh, brings up... Well, what... so, Terry keeps tickling him while they're making out. Yes. And Kevin's like, this is weird. And Terry's like, no, you're hot. I should film you doing this. You ever think about doing tickling videos? You know, a little bit of tickling porn? I got a hot guy downstairs who can do the tickling form with you, porn with you. Yeah, which which kind of makes me feel like he just watched that documentary about the tickling fetish by he, I mean, Roberto. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just watched that documentary about the tickling fetish. And Kevin will do this tickling porn because he, I don't think, wants to make out with Terry. No. Because Terry's not fangs. No, Terry's not fangs. But Terry does have the guy who he's going to, who's going to tickle him downstairs. And he's going to pay Kevin $5,000 a video. Kevin keeps on almost getting murdered. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> like, here's the thing. He does it. This is actually strangely just, like, straightforward and this just... Is like a legitimate business. Yeah, he goes on to grind up, finds attractive <laughs> men. He's like, hey, you want to get tickled by another man? Uh, and I'll film it and I'll pay you a lot of money. You got a great laugh. You got good a cadence. Good, yeah, good, ta- good, good timber to your laugh. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. Now, I don't know anything about the tickling fetish or the tickling fetish nope. community. So, you know what? Maybe this is fine. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Jughead. Uh, <laughs> Easily visits Betty at home. Yeah. To apologize to her. <laughs> Man, I, I almost confused with another scene where he also visits her at home. <laughs> Basically, she's like, I'm very sad. And he's like, that's good. You should accept being very sad. But also, I'm going to help you win. And she's like, the quiz bowl? And he's like, No. The true thing, the thing we've been working towards, and I had no idea what he was talking about. I'm like, about. is this, is this flirting? <laughs> is this sexy talk? What is happening? What's going on? Anyway, this cuts right to Cheryl and and Veronica dancing because, of course, that's the reason why Veronica did this. The same reason why she had the um, way they get mo- the boys get money through a sexy car wash. She just wants to have sexy fun. Yeah, so they're dancing and I guess handing out illegal liquor. Although we don't see this happening at all. No, I think it's through the coat check. Which what does that happen? Teens come up, the coat check girl's like, "Hey, you want some alcohol? <laughs> you look like you might be cool." Well, the lights flash on, and in comes the sheriff's office, but it's not a sheriff's office we've ever seen before. <laughs> it's those other cops, the ones that work for Hiram. No, FB will not be seen in this episode. These are other people. Uh, but Hiram explains that 
well, this is a raid because I heard that someone here was selling alcohol. And they're like, we're not selling alcohol. And then he opens up a secret speakeasy cupboard and there's rum in it, which proves nothing. <laughs> which proves his alcohol on premises, which I maybe might be illegal. But there's no proof that anyone's drinking it. He it's, does not find that proof. That's true. But then what he starts doing is like he takes like it looks like he's about he's about to fight these young girls. He's taking off his clothes. He takes off his watch. He undoes his cuffs and rolls them up. And I'm like, wait, what's happening here? Is he gonna fight them? Are you gonna punch Cheryl? She's not your daughter. Also, don't punch any teenage girls. <laughs> Like, this is the same same thing he does when he's like, I'm going to fight Archie. But he's like, I'm going to fight these teenage girls. Like, I'll fight this whole room of teenage girls. I'm scared. Now, he does not fight them. He simply beats all of her rum. With a sledgehammer, which I feel like it's actually illegal. Yeah, he's definitely destroying personal property unprompted. <laughs> and he's also the mayor, not a cop. But once again, as we learned, Veronica will not report this. Veronica doesn't report anything. Nope. No, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. 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 But first, Kevin does the tickling video yeah. with a guy who's shirtless and has been in hundreds of videos. Yeah. And Kevin doesn't like him either. Yeah. Because he's not fangs. <laughs> not fangs. Uh, this brings us back to a Cheryl and Veronica kind of moping about the rum. They have more at Cheryl's uh, house. Uh, but it's not made yet. Not made yet, of course. Um, but, oh, but I mean. How oh, are they going to sell their rum? Gonna get, it's just going to do this. Then Cheryl comes up with a dumb plan. She will treat as is the smartest plan in the world. Not dumb plan. An okay plan that she treats as if it's the smartest plan in the world. So they're going to keep the Bon as a secret non-speakeasy. <laughs> they're just going to have a club. But they're going to have an all-ages club. But then they're going to open a secret speakeasy in a second location. Well, the first thing they say, first thing, we're going to move our operations elsewhere. I'm like, okay, so you're going to make the rum? Because you have your stills here. Yeah. You're going to move the rum elsewhere? Like, you're going to move the stills elsewhere, I guess? Well, we'll find out. But first... Just kind of back between these two weird things. <laughs> Kevin is a natural at being tickled on camera. So he should do, he's given $5,000 in $100 bills. Yeah. And uh, maybe he should do some more videos. He's like, only if I can work with someone else. I promise you he's also attractive. I guess this is where my storyline is going. This is good? This is tonally different than (laughs) everything else. Now we find out Cheryl's plan. Oh, God. Okay. We paused the episode in this scene because we couldn't handle it. Cheryl. Takes Veronica to the Maple Club. You remember the brothel. They break into it with a crowbar. So at this point, I'm like, okay, so Penelope full on bought the flat. Also in the Maple Club is a list of phone numbers of people who used to go to the Maple Club. <laughs> so they're going to blackmail these men into buying rum? Well, I like how they're like, ah, we have this list of powerful men from across the state who've come to a, you know, to a brothel, and we have evidence of their doings. We're going to use this because we can call them up, and that means they have money. We can invite them to come and drink our rum. Yeah, that's definitely what we'll do. And then we'll phrase it by these two young, attractive women being like, hey, do you want to come back to Maple Club? You know, when you used to, you used to have sex with women here, but now you don't have sex with women here. Now you just drink here. You one, like it. One drink. You drink one drink here. Um, this is how we do. <laughs> this is how business works. This is how we're going to overtake Hiram, who has a... Full, like a countrywide distribution network for his rum. We have 
one <laughs> secret bar <laughs> where we're going to sell drinks made with our rum. We're definitely these these guys aren't going to come here being like, but maybe there is sex. <laughs> I think there is sex. There also might be sex. <laughs> so Veronica's like, oh, man, we're doing this and we're in high school. This is a lot of work. This this is a lot of a lot. Just like the entire thought process of this is so like the client's. These clients don't care. You call them up like, hey, do you want to come to a, a club where you could drink one drink? I, I promise you it's cool. Um, and also, how would Hiram not hear about this? Hiram is supposed to be the guy who has ears everywhere. He heard that they were giving away free alcohol in a club that was open. You know what? This is actually very clever, though. Because he's going to think the Maple Club, which is what it's going to be called. Yeah. Has just reopened, and he doesn't care about the Maple Club. Wouldn't he be confused about the fact that Penelope was the one who ran the... Wouldn't he come by to check? Well, they hire a grown woman to be their manager. Yeah. And by hire, (laughs) I mean they go to the sex bunker and get Penelope. And Cheryl explains to her mom that this is how Penelope can work off her debt to society. Can we point out that this? there's no way this should work for anyone? The only reason it works is because the entire Blossom family works like warlocks who think that once the contract has been signed, it's, it, it's our honor that we cannot break the contract or else we will be cursed for a thousand years. But here's the thing. Penelope's not going to turn on her daughter. She wants to destroy her daughter herself because otherwise she'll be cursed for a thousand years. So if Hiram does show up, <laughs> She's not going to squeal on her daughter. This is actually brilliant. No, it's not! <laughs> In the logic of Riverdale, Aaron, this is the best plan any teenager has ever come up Aaron, with. Aaron, you're falling apart here. <laughs> this is like me last week. I'm like, maybe this is actually... No, no, you, Aaron, somehow, somehow you've in the, in this circle, you've... <laughs> You've hit the end of the circle and gone back to the beginning of again. Once you hit the end, you stay at the end. It does not revert. No, it's a good no, plan. No, it's not. Oh, no, Aaron, we need to continue on because you you're, you're losing it now. In a really reasonable and well-done scene for now, yeah. Tom Keller confronts Frank. Because Tom Keller knew this was going to happen. Someone stole $200 from the petty cash box. And Frank is like, yeah, I did it. I borrowed against my salary. Which we then find out is his future salary for he has not been paid yet. Yeah. 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 Uh. And so Tom and Frank fight. Tom storms off saying, I'm done working here. If you guys actually want a job. You know where to find I'll get, me? I'll get you an actual job, I guess. But Tom Keller, how do you? Uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh then Frank and Archie go home. Archie kind of confronts Frank. Archie's real mad that he took the money. And Frank's like, whoa, what was this? Archie's like, I would give you a $200. I don't want to ask my nephew for money. You're, you understand. I'll work for him. I will work for him because he owns the company that I work for. But I won't ask him for money. And here's the thing. I had to take that $200 so I could go bet on a horse so I can win money to give everyone their bonuses. It was a sh- <laughs> no, the way he says it is very bored. He goes like, I took the $200 for a sure thing at the track. And Archie's like, you gambled it? And he's like, and he's like, like tears well up in his eyes. And he's like, I was trying to get everybody. I don't know why I'm giving this accent. I was trying to give everyone their Christmas bonus. How do you feel now? And I'm, in my head, I'm like, they're still gambling. Yeah. You know what you should do? <laughs> work hard for the company and, like, get contracts so that they can work and then you can earn a Christmas bonus? Even even, even doing it for the best reason at all, you still took money being like, this is Jimmy Cooper. <laughs> it's true. 
right, it's time for the quiz show. Um, Jughead explains to us what he meant so many ep- so many scenes ago when they're going to win the final war. I guess this is the reaction to that. He invited Mr. Brooks, the recruiter for Yale. Who's going to watch Betty, and if Betty wins the quiz bowl, she can probably go to Yale too, because that's how Yale works. Yep. Uh, I mean, Brooks, Brooks does seem like the most reasonable person. He's like, no, no, we don't care about your... He literally said to Jughead, we don't care about all that stuff, we care about what you are now. So, okay. makes sense to go for Mr. Brooks. Uh, Alice is very excited. <laughs> zooms in from the shadows. He's like, Jughead told me about Mr. Brooks. Oh, he, he there's no way he did. She just overheard it in that second. And she's like, Betty, you're going to do so good. You're going to win. I know you will. And then Betty goes to her green room, <laughs> and in her green room is all the questions and answers. Thanks, yep. Alice. Because we learn so much later that this is filmed at this, like, it's at the local studio where Alice works, essentially. Yeah. But, oh, no, and now the quiz begins, and Betty's just, oh, man, she's just nailing it. The, everyone's tied, and then the teams are oddly mad at each other. Also, the Stonewall team is only comprised of the Power Rangers. Yeah, well, the Riverdale team's only composed of the main characters. That's because Betty set it up. That's true. Um, Cheryl and t- Tony does, I think Cheryl asks as well, I was like, why are we even here? I'm like, why are you even mad? <laughs> what do you care? She's but, getting the answers right. But I want to answer the question. Well, here we are. It's the final question. Betty versus Brett, head to head. And it's a car question. In a manual, <laughs> in a manual car, what is the device that, I guess, <laughs> that allows you to switch between gears? And Brett insists that it is the spark plug. He says the only thing he knows in a car, which I guess is the spark plug. But and- I'm, I'm like, that's the last question? The only... The only thing a manual car has that an automatic car doesn't have is the clutch. Which is the answer. It just seems like that is a wild final question in this quiz competition. Now, this is very exciting because it's a thing that Betty knows. Yeah. And then Betty reveals to Alice that she won without cheating because she tore up and threw away the paper Alice left for her. At which point, me and Aaron instantly went, oh, no, Betty. Betty, you burn it. You eat it. You don't throw it away in your dressing room. And this will lead us into a fin- the la- the end of this episode where, once again, it's just... I said this earlier, Betty has just sort of, like, taken hold of the stupid ball for this episode. Because she's smart. She's a smart person. She knows crime. Yeah, she should know that she should not leave that in her space. But first, we do have to check in with Archie. Frank won the bonuses. Isn't Archie happy? <laughs> that doesn't make... <laughs> Archie isn't happy, which is good. But he doesn't, he doesn't really be like, yeah, you still gambled with it. <laughs> he says, it's not what you did, it's how you did it. The Andrews men work for honor. And respect. And Frank is like, I understand. Anyway, I'm glad that we're still <laughs> family. Ah, we're still family. Goodbye, nephew. Betty walks down the hallway at school the next day, and every kid who sees her begins cheer- cheering immediately. Oh, because that's what people do to people who win quiz shows. <laughs> and then all of these clapping children step aside to reveal Mr. Honey. Unfortunately, Mr. Honey has lifted up. The answer key. It was found in the trash of her green room. Of course it was. It wasn't even torn up that well. No, it's, it's like massive pieces of paper. It's like 12 pieces. <laughs> Alice drinks a gin and tonic at home. Well, see, she tried to take the blame. Like, that would make it better. No, no, no. She did cheat. I cheated for her. I forced her to cheat. <laughs> 
So she she got suspended from her job. Because this is when it's revealed that it was filmed at her TV studio, which yeah. makes sense because I kind of missed that line. And yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was real now that that's where it was. That's how she got the quiz, essentially. So they rescinded the win, Stonewall Prep wins, although, I mean... Sure. Fine. Betty Betty got suspended from school. Pending more investigation. Like, what more investigation? Okay. And th- she's like, oh, I bet it was Brett. And I'm like, I bet it was the cleaner. Betty, why would you throw that away in your dressing <laughs> Just room? Just keep it in your pocket, even. like <laughs> Stick it in your bra. No one's going there. There's, everyone is so much like, oh, Brett. Brett went into her, her room and fished the answer key out. And I'm like, no. A cleaner went through... And there's not – we've been in, like, dressing green rooms. The garbages are never that full. Yeah, it was definitely the only thing in the garbage. Yeah, it definitely went over, picked up and went, this says answer key on it. That seems wrong. Huh. Maybe I should bring this up with someone because I have no stake in this. <sighs> but no, it, no, clearly it was Brett. Clearly this was his dark and dirty plan. It's not even a secret. We know Alice did it. Yeah, so. this is so dumb. I thought it was going to be like that Brett was actually the one who gave her the answer key. And Alice didn't do it, but then Alice worried that Betty did do I, it. And so Alice was trying to cut, you know? No, no, I, I, no, I, I believed a suit because Betty. I, no, no. What would have been cool was that Brett did give her the key. Yeah. And then Alice found out about the key and was worried that Betty actually did steal it. So Alice tried to take the fall to save her daughter. Oh, but I meant in the earlier scene. I figured out when they did the earlier scene at the at the mantle, and Al and Alice essentially admits that she tried to give her the. Oh yeah, key. no, I knew that then yeah, too. So it just would have been cool if it was Brett. Yeah, no, yeah, but I mean that'd be a weird thing to do with the mantle scene. I'd be like, I'm proud that you did it. That you that you won with by stealing the answers. Because yeah, that's kind of how it was going. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, the Maple Room is, I guess, going strong. <laughs> they have servers. They serve Maple Rum Punch and Maple Hitos. Sure. They find out the Le Bonnoui got raided again. They're making Penelope wear a mask and an ankle monitor. It's very clearly Penelope Blossom, though. All These are all her former customers. Like, they wouldn't recognize. That's clearly Penelope Blossom. Her girls are back. <laughs> It's clear. I, I, the, so when you mentioned earlier, it probably is a little brothel. They're leaving Penelope alone here. There's no way she's not turning it back into a brothel. She loves brothels. That's why this is a brilliant plan. It's a terrible plan. Kevin invites Fangs to do his tickle videos, but he doesn't want to get back together with him. Uh, so to attend to the thing at the beginning, that's a new ongoing plot line. A new ongoing plot line is Kevin's doing tickle videos with Fangs. That is included in everything else I mentioned, <laughs> including Dark Betty, Stonewall, and Cheryl and Miss Appleyard. Andrew apologizes to Tom Keller, and he gives him his bonus. And Tom Keller's like, yeah, this is pretty nice, Archie, but you're still trying to run a company. <laughs> and that's a bad idea. And then Archie's like, well, maybe you can be my foreman. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 you're still trying to run a company. Yeah, Archie. <laughs> I can't work for a company where you let your uncle steal $200. can't work for a company that's run by an 18-year-old who doesn't understand construction. And Archie's like, but Tom Keller, I can't turn my back on my family. (laughs) I need to go leave. Maybe I should talk to my son. I think he might be doing something weird. (laughs) Jughead, in an 
insanely shot scene. <laughs> this scene is shot from the lowest low angle of two boys who are not actually all that physically imposing. No. <laughs> Just trying to front on each other. Now, this episode has been full of insane twists and turns, and they will continue. Oh, Jughead co- comes in, and he 100% exclusively only blames Brett for the what whole happened? cheating fiasco. <laughs> Not Alice. <laughs> and he says to Brett, you think you're an elite man of honor, but I know you're not. Man of honor is the name of the next episode, by the way. Ooh. Uh, well, I looked at the Quill and Skull brochure. <laughs> and I've learned what elite men of honor do. It's literally a pamphlet. <laughs> they challenge each other to a duel, which I am allowed to do as per this pamphlet. Yes, according to the Quill and Skull's pamphlet, I can challenge you to a duel. So you and I shall duel. <laughs> to the death? Maybe? <laughs> to the very close of death, probably. Most importantly in this scene, Brett is a man who tucks his sweatshirt into his pants. <laughs> well, he's sitting down. He doesn't want he doesn't want his button poking into his belly. <laughs> 4 weeks later, as it's always 4 weeks later, 4 weeks later being February? <laughs> Winter has come to Riverdale. But spring break is indeterminate amount of time later. Betty is crying, crying at the uh the pops. <laughs> Pops. Betty is tired. She keeps... Oh, Archie comes in. Archie comes in. Betty keeps waiting for Jughead to come back, but Jughead's never going to come back. He's never going to come back. And Archie says, we're going to get through this together. Which makes me think that it really tries to look being like, yes, there's the love triangle again. I'm like, wait, what about what Jughead? Yeah. Also... Also, how is Archie going to get into the storyline? <laughs> Does Archie even know Jughead anymore? It's, it's going to be that wild thing they did last season where they just ham fist shut like late the characters are literally kidnapped from their own storyline <laughs> and shoved and together shoved together to have a storyline together oh my god oh and that my god. is that is the episode that is the episode hey aaron hey kevin Tell this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic came up with an amazing plan to hide their secret thing in another secret, but that one's not really a secret. There's a deeper level of a secret, and it's a circle. It is the snake eating its own tail. And I did. Nope, that is all wrong. (laughs) The thing that I have decided is the CW moment is when Carlos tells Archie he needs to get more involved with the company. <laughs> Which I I don't know is where that's about. I don't know if that's the lesson Archie learns here. Because I think that's just a reason for why he's there when Tom fights Frank. His lesson is that sometimes his uncle screws up and... <laughs> He needs to tell him speeches. Man, his his lesson should be, you're this, you don't run a company. <laughs> Archie, you don't know how to do this. Archie, hire a competent adult. Archie, don't get me wrong. I understand that you worked at your dad's company for that one summer, which got your real buff. Um, but you're, there's a lot to running a construction company. You haven't even been there since Hermione worked there. You have no idea. Go hire Hermione. Yeah, she's not doing anything. Still not seeing this episode. Hermione... Is a hostess at Le Bon Nuit. 
no. Yep. No. She, well, that she is was a job. She had. She's a job. She had. She quit it once she was when she was seduced by Hiram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she has not been seen since. I refuse to remember that that happened. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's your CW moment? My CW moment is during the fight with Tom and Frank. Those sound effects of the punches are wild. Those men are punching hard. <laughs> those, those men are like Rocky punching beef in the fridge. Like, those hits are wild. <laughs> and there's one where he full-on misses his head, but they put in the, the sound <laughs> of him, like, crushing through his skull. Like... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's way too much. I want to point out that Tom Keller is looking exceptionally hot this episode. Is it because I don't have Luke Perry Andrews to look at anymore? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Even with his punched up face. Oh. He heals, heals very fast. Much faster than Frank. Yeah, yeah. Frank still had so many cuts after that scene. <laughs> Tom's like, I definitely won that fight. <laughs> it's because Tom has a pure heart. Well, that is... That's this episode of Riverdale, and man... Man. Winter has come. <laughs> Winter has reached Riverdale. Man, it was not great. It was it was a lot it was a lot of plot lines hinging on very flimsy things. Every plot line is the flimsiest. What one plot line requires just absolute not even lack of knowledge. We hadn't before this we had no knowledge of patent law and we were like, that seems wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's not even like that was obscure knowledge. And then another plot line is, is is hinging on a character who is intelligent and smart doing something very, very dumb. And I was going to say, well, I guess Betty's naive, but Betty is not naive not anymore. Naive. She is intrinsically suspicious of all things. Yeah, everything we know about Betty tells me that she would not just tear up a piece of paper of that evidence and throw it into that garbage. Yeah. Like, it, it, it requ- if that was the first season, I'd be like, okay, we're learning about the character. She didn't think that would happen. But now we're like... Now it's like it's just like she's self-sabotaging. She, she, she's dumped a dead body before. Like, she's literally done... She's literally covered up murder. She can't cover up a piece of paper. Piece of paper. She could have. She could have buried it in a shallow grave and covered it in lye, and that would have been better than Charles ter- would have helped her. Absolutely, Betty. Just tuck it in your pocket. Like, yeah. like, like that storyline should have definitely been. It was Brent. I don't know why they put it on Alice. Like, this is just so Alice's fault. And if there's one thing we know about Alice, it's that she thinks her daughter is amazing and can achieve anything. <laughs> yeah, why would Alice do this? <laughs> like, it's so... <laughs> now, I know an author cannot make their own characters act out of character, but an author can make their characters act against what we know about their characters. Yeah. And that is what has happened. Yeah, I mean, once you establish them, the only, the only character acts out of characters is, is if they've established a very clear moral center of the characters, and then they act against what they have established for us. Mm-hmm. And they've established Betty as being clever. <laughs> Much cleverer than this. Yeah. She's been kind of dumb this season, though. She has. It's like they don't know how to deal with someone who might be intelligent. It's so, like they got sad that they made her the main character of the TV show and they felt like they had to dial back. Fair enough. Her and, her and Jughead. <laughs> and Archie's doing his own thing. And Veronica is now teamed up with Cheryl. Cool. Cool. Two, two of my least favorite characters in the show interacting with each other, doing a plot line hinging on... Nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. Well... Next episode, we are going to obviously get like some of our duo or something like that. Do you want to know something else about next episode I learned while I was doing my research? Tell me more. It is a crossover episode with Katie Keene. <gasps> the show that takes place five, five years, years in, in the, the future. future. 
<laughs> is it a backdoor pilot? Like, are we going to be introduced to Katie Keene and then she'll be like, oh. I, I guess so, because Katie Keene, I th- well, actually, no, Katie Keene, I think, premieres next week. So not a backdoor pilot. I mean, kind of, because what's Like a, a team-up. Yeah, apparently these are the crossovers. Now, there's another thing wrong. I don't know if they're going to be appearing. They can, the Archicators cannot appear in Katie Keene. Because that's five years in the future. And then we know things about where their story could go. <laughs> yeah, then nothing matters anymore. Then because... we know that Jughead's not dead. I mean, Jughead's definitely not dead. <laughs> Jughead's but... definitely not dead. They've been renewed for a season five. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, he keeps making these shows. Like, oh, it's the Archieverse. But he makes them that they cannot be crossed over. They cannot exist at the same time and place. This they... is not like Station 19 and Grey's Anatomy. No, they can't. These can't... Or all the Chicago... <laughs> Or Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Like, these shows can't exist. <laughs> you set one five years after. Now, this, I guess, is fine. Apparently, Veronica already referenced Katie Keene. She's the one who made um, uh, Archie and Mason. Ah, uh, uh, their costumes. Their costumes. Um, but So, I guess Veronica's friends with her. So, apparently, in the next episode, she's going to go to New York to That seems necessary. See her. With everything that's going on. I guess Veronica doesn't have anything going on, so never mind. <laughs> no, she doesn't. Um, it's man, man, man. Man alive. One week until that. Man of honor. <laughs> the name of the next episode. We've done it. Full circle. <sighs> no, no. So give us those ratings, reviews, those subscriptions. Hit us up on Apple Podcast or your podcaster of choice. And also we're on social media, Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA, on Instagram, on Twitter, and PodcastMOA at gmail.com. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Who will win the duel? Can Andrew's construction be saved? Is the Maple Room a good idea? No. Yes. Francis Olives and more. Join us next week on Mystery Osiris and Abs. A teen drama fan cast. <laughs>